0: Okay, so we just finished our proximate cause, and now we're going to be getting into a duty of care. And specifically, the only thing that we're going to talk about as far as duty goes throughout the semester is going to be the failure to act. There are other duties that are attached, but that's going to be the only one that we want to focus on. I do want to note something before actually getting into duty. Big picture kind of things. So we have intentional torts that we had talked about. Those are going to be actions that people intended to happen, but we're only going to hold them civilly liable. That's going to be battery, assault. No, those are civil battery, civil assault. Uh, False imprisonment. All of those kind of things. So we have intentional torts and then we have negligence. And we've talked about Negligence, as far as how you define negligence, and we've talked a little bit, gave an overview of some of the elements of negligence. What do we need to find to hold a person negligent? We've talked about one of those elements so far, and that was cause. There, in order for somebody to be held liable for their negligence, we have to prove that their cause, that their negligence caused the injury. We talked about that with direct causation and proximate cause. Now we're moving on to a different element, and that is going to be a duty of care. And the reason for that is because we need to say, in order to hold somebody negligent, we need to find that they had a duty to the person who was injured. And so everything that we're going to be talking about, well, technically yesterday, uh, in class And then today in class is going to be about this duty of care element. And specifically, we're focusing solely on the failure to act. I won't get into any cases today because we're going to be focusing on those cases later. But I want to outline a couple of things. So first, we have the restatement of torts sections 37 to 44. And what these sections just say is that we don't have a duty to act, a legal duty to act, unless if we have these exceptions. And the reason for that is because we don't want to hold people liable for failing to act. Okay, so a little bit of overview. We may have a moral duty, and that is you should do something, but you don't have a legal duty. So even though you should do something, that doesn't mean you have to do something. A moral duty, for example, is saying we should save a child from drowning. A bit morbid, but as the example we used. But we don't have a legal duty to save a child from drowning, even though it's well within our power to do so without any risk. Why is that? Well, it's because it's not in our culture to compel somebody to act. We emphasize autonomy. Uh, we emphasize being separate and we emphasize the liberty over uh, of people over community values. This actually reminds me a little bit about crime law with when we were talking about actus reus and we were talking about omissions or the failure to act because actus reus are actions and then we have omissions which is the failure to act very similar things as far as why we don't hold people liable legally liable is because omissions are more ambiguous than actually doing something we is hard to draw a line of when you should turn a moral Obligation to into a legal obligation. There are practical reasons uh, for why we don't hold people liable, and that's because sometimes people who intervene can make things worse. And fourth, this is the biggest thing that we talked about in um, in torts today: is the freedom, and that is. We should prohibit people from doing things. We shouldn't compel or require people to do certain things. So when is there a duty to act? We're not going to hold people liable for a moral duty, but when do we actually assign people a legal duty for failing to do something? And that's when the restatement of torts are going to go into things. I won't say the numbers just because he says that the restatement doesn't matter so much for this, as long as we have a good idea. We can hold people liable when a state imposes a duty on a party. And that's going to say when the state legislature writes in a statute that is going to impose liability for something. And what an example of that is a statute saying you need to report child abuse. And if you fail to report child abuse, then you can be held accountable for that. Second, is that an actor's prior non-tortious acts create a continuous risk if they don't act. And therefore, they would have failed to minimize the harm. So, a good example of this is that if you hit a deer in the road, it's not a tort to hit a deer in the road. But then if you fail to remove the deer from the road, or at least if you fail to call somebody, uh, like state patrol, to remove a deer from the road, well then you are continuing to create a risk that needs to be removed, and your failure to do so can hold you liable. Third, a person who has a special relationship with another has a duty to that person. What are special relationships? Well, there are several that are outlined in the restatement. And fourth is that a common carrier has a special relationship with passengers. For example, a bus driver has a duty to care for the passengers. Second, an innkeeper has a duty to care for the guests. Third, a business who holds the business open to the public has a duty of care to the patrons. Employers have a duty to care to their employees. A school has a duty of care to students. A landlord has a duty of care to tenants. And a custodian, not not a janitor, but a custodian, someone who has legal custody of something, has a duty of care to those in their custody. So that would be, for example, if a state has custody over a certain child, they have a duty to care for that child. Additionally, we're going to attach a duty to those who have a special relationship with another, and that other person creates a risk to another person. In other words, we have, because we have the special relationship with somebody, we may have a special relationship to the people who that person interacts with. To third parties who you, that special relationship comes from so this is going to be a parent with dependent children has a special relationship and to and for example uh, playmates coming over to the home again this is going to involve custodian custodians with those who are in their custody employers with employees and then mental health providers with their patients Finally, the last way that we're going to hold people liable is if they undertake a duty to act, and that is they have voluntary actions that, one, can either increase the harm, the risk of harm to the person, or the person relies on that harm. We talked about this with crime as well. If somebody's drowning out to sea, you go out there and uh, you start helping uh showing that you're going to rescue and then you turn around at the last second well then you can be held liable for that and that's because they relied on you coming to help them and then you let them down so i just want to sum up everything duty to care the failure to act normally we're not going to hold people liable unless they meet one of the exceptions And that is if a statute imposes a duty, if prior conduct creates a continuous risk, or if there's a special relationship within that scope, or if there's a special relationship that creates a risk to a third party, or if we undertake a duty to act. And that is a pretty succinct summary of duty to act, failing to act, and when we're going to hold you liable for that.